Welcome to Come and Reason with Christian psychiatrist and author Dr. Tim Jennings. Together we will reason through complex issues to find evidence-based answers that harmonize scripture, science, and our life experiences. I'm your Come and Reason host, Charles Mills. I don't know about you, listener, but I definitely have what Dr. Jennings calls an aging brain. After all, it's been around as long as I have, and I know good and well that the rest of me is aging. If I want to protect myself from what's becoming more and more common these days, dementia, what should I do? Can brain function loss really be prevented? Dr. Jennings, help me out here, and fast. I'm not getting any younger. What should I do? So this is a great question. Maybe we should just take a second to help people understand what dementia is. Yes. Dementia is the functional loss of ability. It's loss of memory plus one of four domain losses. Loss of memory plus loss of normal language ability or loss of ability to use normal motor skills like button a shirt, tie shoes, or loss of ability to recognize objects or loss of executive function, the ability to organize, balance your checkbook, that type of thing. Memory loss plus one or more of those, that's the syndrome known as dementia. Anything that damages the brain can cause those losses. So vascular disease with little tiny strokes can cause vascular dementia. Parkinson's disease can cause Parkinson's dementia, and the number one form, Alzheimer's disease, causes Alzheimer's dementia by the disease damaging the brain, which results in the functional loss. Well, you just scared a bunch of people here because, you know, I forget where my keys are sometimes. I forget what's going on. I walk into a room and (laughs) I'm not sure why I'm there. Am I having dementia here? Forgetfulness can happen for lots of reasons. If you were just sleep deprived and didn't get a night's sleep, then today you might not be quite as sharp and remember it quite as well. So when we're talking about dementia, we're talking a permanent loss, not a bad day. Uh, We're talking about a loss of memory with these other domain losses. So just the forgetfulness of your keys from time to time, that can happen. In fact, studies show that if you eat just a really high sugar meal for a couple of hours afterwards, you can have that kind of thing where your memory is not quite as sharp because what the high sugar is doing in your brain for a few hours. But that's not dementia. That's a transient effect, or people who get intoxicated. While they're intoxicated, they're not remembering as well. So just something acutely affecting our memory is not dementia. It's a permanent change or loss that doesn't go away because of the situation. Is there a test or something, a quiz that you give to people when they come into your office and they say, hey, I think I've got dementia? Yes, there are screening tools that can be done that examine a person's ability to remember, plus their ability to pay attention, plus their ability to do motor tasks, plus their ability to process information and do speech. And so there's a standardized test that can be done as a screening tool. And if people mess that test up or don't score it a certain way, that is a one-time evaluation indicates that at that moment they're not functioning well. But then that has to be repeated to see if there is a persistent loss or whether this is just a one-time aberration because of some you know, serious sickness or something. Okay. All right. Dr. Jennings is our guest today. We're talking about the aging brain. As a matter of fact, he wrote an entire book on the subject called The Aging Brain. I have a copy here. And, and let's not forget the subtitle, which is Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen Your Mind. So it's not just about the aging brain. It's about what we can do to avoid the loss of function and maintain our abilities as we age. Because one of the things I've discovered is many people have a myth that if you live long enough, you get dementia. They, yeah. they think it's normal. It's not. Dementia is pathological aging, and if we make the healthy lifestyle choices, we can maintain our function as we age. Okay, well, that begs the question then, if we are losing our memory, if we are in dementia, we're heading that direction and we're actually in it, can we reverse it? 
if somebody has dementia, that means the brain has already lost billions of neurons, mm. and there is no known intervention that will cause the brain to regrow those neurons and all those interconnections that those neurons previously had before they died. So no, if somebody actually has dementia, they've already lost the billions of neurons. So the real money, where the real action is, is avoiding getting it in the first time. So it's in prevention. The number one form of dementia is Alzheimer's dementia. Yeah. And this is what my book focuses on, the late onset Alzheimer's dementia, which is really related to lifestyle choices that increase inflammation, causing insulin resistance in the brain. And that leads to a cascade of damaging consequences. So everything that will promote insulin sensitivity in our brains will help protect our brain and uh, prevent the development of late-onset Alzheimer's dementia. Okay, let's get into this thing then. We're looking at the aging brain here in the book, Dr. Jennings. When do we start? When are we supposed to start doing things that are going to, years later maybe, affect how we age in the brain? The earlier we start, of course, the more benefits we have, but the data shows people who are not yet demented but have mild cognitive changes. They can tell they're not quite as sharp as they used to be, right. but they're not yet demented. If those people start with the uh, interventions, walking 20 to 30 minutes, five days a week, uh, making the dietary changes that I put in the book, stress management, all the things that we need to do, if they do that stuff, they don't progress on to dementia. So it's never too late to start as long as one is not yet demented. Is there anything we can do as children and teenagers and young adults that will help us? Sure, a whole lifestyle, and that is leading a healthy lifestyle. What are the healthy things? The big umbrella things, and we can get to specifics under them, are diet. We want a whole food, plant-based diet or a Mediterranean diet. Those two diets are demonstrated to have the greatest benefit in brain volume and reduction of dementia risks versus the fast food, junk food, high sugar, high fried food diet. Those diets are very damaging. They're oxidizing. They accelerate decline. So the food choices we make throughout life make a big difference difference on the overall physiological health of our body and ultimately brain. Sleep patterns. The brain needs adequate amounts of sleep to clear byproducts of metabolism out of the brain. Chronic sleep deprivation leads towards increasing risk of dementia. Physical exercise is another big one. We can talk about what the data shows there and why, but developing a pattern of lifestyle where you stay physically engaged and active. These are the, some of the big umbrella ones. Sounds like you're saying that it really isn't something that we do. It's something that we are, something that we become, a whole lifestyle issue here. The choices we make in life change us, either for good or for bad. People who do a lot of oxidating, damaging things like tobacco, alcohol, illegal drugs, they not only age faster and have more physical health problems, they will have higher risk of dementia. Just avoiding that alone reduces risk of dementia, but people who've never done alcohol, tobacco, and drugs still can get dementia because they have really bad food. They eat lots of sugar, sweets, not a lot of vegetables, a lot of fried foods, junk foods, fast foods. They never exercise. They can still develop dementia because they're driving those oxidative factors in their body that accelerate the aging process. Well, I'm so glad that you have said what you said just a few minutes ago, that if we at least have cognitive ability now, and at least we're not in dementia, we can prevent it from happening. And that is such good news. And, you know, diet, sleep, exercise, where does, and you spend a lot of time on this, where does one's vision of God 
come in to fighting dementia? What's going on there? That's brilliantly said. That's a great question. That goes to the question of stress management, Mm. mental stress, worry, anxiety, that type of thing. People who are chronically guilt-ridden, shame-ridden, worried, anxious, fearful in life, they activate their brain's stress circuit. Uh, And if it stays active and we're just constantly worried, stressed, anxious, so forth, that activates the body's immune system, kicks up inflammation, and that does increase our risk of dementia as we age. So people who have a healthy spirituality, a belief in a benevolent God, a compassionate God, a God of love, a God they can trust, which leads them to have less relationship conflict, less worry, less stress, less guilt, less shame. Thus, they have more internal sense of peace of heart, those people have reduced risk of dementia. But conversely, people who believe in a God who is authoritative, punishing, that causes them to experience more guilt, more shame, more fear, more arguments because they're enforcing their religious rules, that actually would increase their risk of dementia. I can think of just a number of Bible texts that goes along with that. My peace I give unto you, and not as the world gives you, but as I give you. In other words, we're saying that God, when he says, I will give you peace, that is not an overlay that he puts over us. That is an internal peace that not only helps us emotionally, but helps us physically. Am I on the right track saying that? You're exactly right, and that peace comes from experiencing the reality of God's goodness. And what interferes with people experiencing the reality of God's goodness would be some lie. Let's just say you're in a loving, healthy marriage relationship, and you've got a wonderful, loving spouse that you love and trust, but somebody tells you a lie that your spouse has been cheating on you. Now, while it's not true, you still have a loving, loyal spouse. If you believe the lie, does something inside of you change? Do you have as much peace or do you have more anxiety, more worry, more stress, more conflict? And so the reason many people who believe in God still suffer with a lot of stress and anxiety is because there's many things taught about God in the various religions and churches of the world that are not true about him and incite fear and anxiety. Give us some examples of this, Dr. Jennings, because this is so important, and I want my listeners to understand that when we have these feelings about God, they're not about God. So tell us what we need to know here. Well, the big critical thing is, do you see him in character functioning like Jesus? Do you see his laws, the laws upon which reality are built? Or do you see him as an imperial dictator who makes up rules and then is the source of inflicted pain, who must punish rule breakers, who must send people to hell, whose justice requires that he killed people. If you see God as the source of pain, suffering, and death, and that, and that we have Jesus to protect us from God, then you've got a grossly distorted view of God, and that actually incites fear. If we see God as our benevolent creator, and that we suffer from a condition that's out of harmony with how he wants us to be, and he's working through Christ to fix what's broken in us, that leads us to love and trust, and ultimately, that's healthier for us. So, Dr. Jennings, when we have that vision of God as a loving, comforting God, It changes the way we worship. It changes our vision of God. It lowers our stress in our body and brings comfort. And I can see why that would be good for us too. Now let's talk a little bit more about the the exercise. When we get out and go running, for instance, what is that doing for our aging brain? What actually happens there that brings benefits to us? Running would be a great exercise, but it doesn't have to be that vigorous, and I don't want people to think, oh, it's got to be that vigorous. <laughs> the data shows walking 25 to 30 minutes, five days a week will also have the benefit, but running's great, but either form of exercise, if we're doing regular exercise, multiple things happen. One, our muscles produce anti-inflammatory factors, which reduce inflammation and, and resensitize insulin receptors, which are critical to what's happening in our brain. Uh-huh. Additionally, the brain turns on genes that make proteins that cause the brain to spread 
sprout new connections and even make new neurons in some of the parts of the brain, which enhances learning. In fact, a study of individuals 65 years of age and older, looking at these individuals who began walking 25 minutes a day, found that they showed growth in the, new, in the memory circuits of the brain called the hippocampus, 2% growth, which reversed two years of aging. Their brain looks two years younger just from the walking. Mm. So lots of good things happen, including improved vascularization so we can clear out the waste products of metabolism. So exercise is one of the real critical pieces, and that's the physical exercise piece. And then there's the mental exercise piece. Huh. And the mental exercise piece is when we learn new things. Not doing crossword puzzles, which is just repetitive activity that we already know, but when we actually study or learn something we don't know, genes turn on our brain and different proteins are produced that also protect the neurons and keep the brain healthy and reduce our risk of dementia. Sounds like you're saying that for the aging brain, hobbies might be a really good thing, am I right? Not necessarily hobbies, because hobbies are just repetitive activity that okay. we already know. Oh. They're perfectly fine to do, and there's nothing wrong with doing them, but if we're actually looking at activities that turn on the genes that protect us from dementia, it would actually be learning a new oh. hobby. So a hobby you don't know, okay. so you're taking up a new task that you've never done before and learning it. That would be very good. How do we assure ourselves a good night's sleep? This is a question a lot of people want to ask. Many people don't know what healthy sleep is. They think that healthy sleep is going to sleep and uh, sleeping for seven or eight straight hours without waking up, but that is not normal sleep. No human being sleeps that way. Okay. Normal sleep is you go to sleep and you enter a light stage followed by the deep, slow-wave sleep. Your heart rate falls, your body temperature falls. That's followed by REM, rapid eye movement where you do your dreaming, and then you wake up. And then it's light stage, deep sleep, REM, wake up all night long. From the time you enter the light stage to the time you exit REM is anywhere between 70 and 120 minutes, a little over an hour to two hours. When we're young, those wake-up periods are very short and we have amnesia for them, so we think we slept through the night. When we get older, we wake up and we get a bladder call, run to the bathroom, and we remember waking up. So people begin thinking they're not sleeping good when it's perfectly normal sleep as long as they're able to get back to sleep after that wake-up. We need five of those episodes a night, which is about seven and a half hours of total sleep a night for an adult. And if you're getting that, that's great. But many people who have these wake-ups, they start worrying and they're not sleeping, they start getting stressed, and then they look for medications to medicate their sleep. And many of the medications used for sleep actually interfere with normal sleep and promote or contribute to memory problems. And seven out of nine studies show that many of the sleep agents can increase your risk of dementia. All right. Well, we've just scratched the surface here of the book, The Aging Brain, Proven Steps to Prevent Dementia and Sharpen your mind. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, wishing you God's presence in your life. Thank you for spending time with us today. To continue the journey, I urge you to visit comeandreason.com. Here you'll find many excellent resources to help you gain a deeper understanding of the God we all love and serve. That's at comeandreason.com. This is Charles Mills, along with Dr. Tim Jennings, inviting you to join us the next time we come and reason together. <music>